0: I'm going to read um, a passage of Scripture to you, and then we're going to continue on with our series. This is not something that I teach all the time, and the reason I don't teach it all the time is because, like other pastors, I don't want to be accused of of being uh, that pastor that's after everybody's money all the time. And so there are people who, who think that churches are all about money. I feel like we're very blessed in this church because we don't come... Uh, get up in the pulpit and beg you for money all the time. And um, matter of fact, we've never had to get up in this pulpit and say, folks, if we don't raise X amount of dollars, we're we're not going to be able to take care of this bill or pay for this situation. We've never had to do that in nine years of the history of this church, and I thank God for that. (laughs) By the help of the Lord, we'll never have to do that. And um, one of the reasons that we haven't is because this church is very, very faithful with their giving. And this is something that, that we need to stop and talk about every once in a while. We need to make sure that that we, that we keep dominion over the spirit of mammon. That we, we continue to have dominion over that and we don't allow it to get a hold of us. And so... We've been talking about this, and we've got just a, a few more weeks where we'll discuss it, but um, just powerful principles. And we're not just talking about tithes, and we're not just talking about offerings. We're talking about a living a blessed life and having a lifestyle where, where we are able to be involved in giving, and not just money, but giving into the kingdom of God. The Bible said that whenever they began to build the tabernacle of Moses... Uh, and then later on, in, in later years, it was a similar situation whenever they were building another temple after Solomon's temple had been destroyed, that they began, the, the, the ministry said, we need you to bring in the tithe, we need you to bring in your offerings so that God's house can be filled. And, and people began to give. And when they did, there was, it, it was so, it, it was such a blessing to the house of God that they actually at some point had to tell people quit bringing your 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 additional offerings. Don't bring any more additional offerings. We 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 can't we don't have nowhere to put them and and that what a blessing that would be, huh? <laughs> you know. And so they 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 said keep bringing your offerings and, and or quit bringing your offerings because uh, the the work of God is being more than taken care of. Now, they were taking care of a work of God that dealt with a nation. But now in in this New Testament era that we're in, we're taking care of the nations, right? We're trying to get the gospel to the whole world. And so it is a tremendous undertaking, and it does require a tremendous sacrifice. But I promise you, when we get to heaven, we're going to be blessed for what we have laid up there. Amen? So let me read to you from Matthew 6 and 19. Matthew 6, 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt. And I am aware that I've taken a lot of time talking tonight, so I'll cut that out of my lesson, okay? (laughs) And where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, There will your heart be also. We talked about that. Your heart follows your treasure. Heart follows your treasure. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. I'm going to come back and talk about that, what it means. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let me read that to you from the NIV for a moment, because I that middle section, I want to give you a little bit more clarity of what it's saying, and I think it's a little hard to understand sometimes in the King James uh, language. Uh, I'll just... Skip to verse 21 in the NIV when I read this here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, the King James said evil there, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's saying there that the eye is what what influences what's happening inside. So, in other words, whatever it is you're focused on begins to have a profound impact on what is happening within you. What I am looking at determines my spirit. If if there are good things. The Bible says, uh, out of the good treasure of the... uh, we got one who, who, he wants to hear pastor <laughs> preach tonight. <laughs> the Bible said that out of the, out of the uh, within the good things of the heart, we bring forth good treasure, but an evil man, out of the evil things of the heart, he brings forth evil treasure. Well, our eye is where all that begins to come from. Our eye is what is the lamp of the body. And if our eye is good, then our whole body is full of light. But if the eyes are unhealthy or evil, then the whole body will be full of darkness. doesn't matter how healthy you are on the outside. Within, you're kind of like those Pharisees Jesus pointed at. And he said, on the outside, you're whited sepulchers. But on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Why? Because they had an evil eye. And, and they were very uh, aware of, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but they were very aware. One Pharisee went. To the temple and prayed, and he said, uh, first of all, a publican had gone in there and he beat his chest, the Bible said, and said, God, have mercy on me, just a sinner. And then a Pharisee came in and he starts praying. He said, I thank God that I am not like other men. How arrogant. I thank God that I am not like other men. I'm a good man. And he starts listing off his resume. And uh, Jesus rebukes him, and, and he praises the publican for his honest prayer. And we better be careful because the Lord doesn't just hear what we say verbally, but he also hears what comes from the heart. And we better be careful. We're not coming around situations like that, and and we may not say it out loud, but we may be thinking in our mind, Lord, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I got it all together. You better be careful. Woe to woe to them that think that think they stand. You might be getting ready to fall, take heed, and so we better be humble. amen. We'd better be humble people. So uh, we've got to be careful. Now it's interesting that that is in the middle of this. You would almost think when you read that passage of scripture because he's talking about don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust break through and steal and destroy and but uh, stored up in heaven. And then he starts talking about the eye being the lamp of the body. And he goes through that. And then he ends talking about no man can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and and love the other. and uh, You'll hold the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And he goes back to talking about uh, things that have to do with material possessions. So uh, that scripture that's in the middle there about the eyes, that is not, a, that is not happenstance and that is not misplaced. That That is very specifically put where it is by Jesus because he knows that what we look on begins to grow in our heart. And he knows that the more we look at stuff, everybody say stuff. The more we look at stuff, the more we tend to desire stuff. Am I right? This, this is uh, Matthew records here. Uh, this is a portion of it, Jesus' longest sermon that he ever ge- preached. And it's in his book here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's three chapters that the Lord devotes to living a kingdom life, to living a blessed life. And in that message on that hillside, and Sister Erica and I were able to stand there at that hillside and see where Jesus preached that message he very methodically and clearly shows us the attitude of a disciple of Christ. And it was there that he gave us the Beatitudes. And he shows us how we should view the things of God and then how we should view the things of this world. So tonight, from that passage of Scripture, I am dealing with us breaking the spirit of mammon. We need to break the spirit of mammon. Now, when you read that scripture there, Jesus very clearly lets us know that it is possible to serve God. Now, some people think it's an impossibility to serve God. And I just couldn't do what you do. You ever had anybody say something like that? Specifically in the areas maybe of our consecration issues. I couldn't do what you do. I couldn't live that way. I couldn't wear that or I couldn't act that way and I I couldn't go to church that often and, and whatever the case may be. I'm going to tell you, it is possible to serve God and you can do whatever it is that you want to do. And we always get wherever it is that we want to go. Am I telling the truth? If there's something we want to do, we get there. If there's something we want to be a part of, we're a part of it. I had somebody call me today and and they said, hey, what are you doing on January the 18th? And so <laughs> I said, oh, I've got, you know, I'm going to have lunch over at so-and-so's. But no, I'm kidding. I didn't know all that. I said, well, let me look. And I went to my calendar, and 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 I think Asher's probably going to have a uh, have a, uh archery uh, practice competition that day over around Pocahontas or something. So may have that going on. I said, I don't know for sure. Maybe have this. And said, why are you asking? He said, well, this is a friend of mine in Texas. He said, well, he said, there's a big parade going to be at the Fort Worth Stockyards that day. It's a Saturday. And he said, I was wanting to see if I, if I get y'all to come up. We want to get a bunch of us together and, and go ride our mules and horses in that parade. And, and you know, uh, what do you think about that? And so I'll tell you what I thought about that. I thought, boy, well, that sounds like fun. You know go go down through the Fort Worth stockyard and they got those long horns they push out in front of them and and be a big crowd and you know and 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 all of us go ride together and be be a fun time and I was sitting there thinking, but boy, it'd be a late night I'm gonna have to get back I got church the next morning because I'm not gonna go do that and miss church okay got church the next morning and and boy, that's a long drive it's like that's gonna be around seven hour drive probably and and one way and and Man, I don't know about all that. Boy, but Astra sure would enjoy that. Here's I said all that to say this. If we want to do that, we'll make a way to do that. And I'll be here at church Sunday morning. And I'll preach like a house on fire. <laughs> we'll do it if we want to do it. You know why? Because we, we make sh- sure something happens if we want it to happen. We've got to quit trying to give ourselves excuses of why we can't serve God, why we can't be faithful to God. Well, my job this, or my school that, or my uh, family this. Let me tell you, if we want to do it, we can do it. We can do it. And it's a commitment that we make. And there are people in this room today that didn't grow up serving God. They They didn't know what it was to be raised in an apostolic church. And they got to points in their life where where they made a decision that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve God. And you know what? They serve God. They may not have had all the help from home and people pushing them in the right direction, but they did everything they could. And they serve God. And today they are serving God. And I can point to a few of them in this church tonight that are living for God today. And they did it in times what, when we would have said it's as difficult to do today as it's ever been. I want to live for God. I want to live for God. I want to make up my mind for that. We doing okay? Jesus said it is possible to serve God. But he also lets us know that it is possible as well to serve mammon. But he doesn't just leave it there. He said, yeah, you could serve God or you could serve mammon. But you cannot serve both God and mammon. You can serve one or you could serve the other, but you cannot serve both. That's an impossibility. Jesus said that. He said there's no way that, that it's going to happen. Now, let's talk about that word mammon. Uh, it's an Aramaic word, and it means wealth or riches or treasure. It, it's, uh, it's taken from the Syrians. And the Syrians had this word because they worshipped the God who was called Mammon. To them, he was the God of riches. This God Mammon had originated, the idea of him had originated in Babylon. It's interesting that Babylon is derived from Babel, which is where we would we would connect with that, and we would say, oh yeah, the tower of Babel. It was the place where God brought confusion, because people were so bent on being humanistic, they were so bent on not needing a God, that they made up their minds, they would build a tower that would reach into the heavens. And they would be like God. And so God came down, he confused their work, and the place there was called Babel. And so from that, we eventually got Babylon, which is a city of confusion. Now, I don't want to get lost in this right now, but let me tell you why it's a city of confusion. It's a city of confusion because it's its, it's, it's got its focus as everything but God. There's a book I read years ago, and you need to go, if you get the chance to read it, I'd highly recommend you purchase this book and read it. It's called Intoxicated with Babylon. Intoxicated with Babylon. And you go read that book, and you begin to see the materialistic thinking of that society and and what they became, it's absolutely no shock to us that they would have a god called Mammon, that they would have a god of riches that they would worship. Because at its core, Babylon was a system that was rooted in pride, arrogance, and self-sufficiency. Now, Mammon... Because it's something that is worshipped, it has a spirit that is attached to it. How do you know that? Because Jesus said you cannot serve. Everybody say serve. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Anything that can be served is spiritual. If you serve it, if you're a servant to it, it has spiritual significance in your life. And mammon wants to rule over us, and mammon wants to take authority over us, and we've got to be aware of this. Our money will either have the spirit of God attached to it, or it will have the spirit of mammon attached to it. Money that is submitted to God has the ability to be multiplied, and it cannot be consumed by the devourer. When we have paid our tithe, let me rephrase that. I told you I don't like to say it that way. When we have given God back our tithe and and we have allowed him to bless the rest, we don't just give him the 10% that's left. We give him the 10% that is first. If I give him the 10% that's left, then there's nothing else to bless. But if I give him the 10% that's first, God can bless all the rest. And as somebody said, I'd rather live off 90% that's blessed than 100% that's cursed. So money that is submitted to God, it can be multiplied. It cannot be consumed by the devourer. Why? Because he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. If you're faithful with God's financial plan, that doesn't mean just because you prayed a prayer and said, God, rebuke the devourer. No. He said, if you're faithful... In giving to God what belongs to God, then he would rebuke the devourer. Am I right? Okay. On the other hand, money that is submitted to mammon is unprotected. It's, it's, it, it has nothing over it. God is not watching over that money. That's why the Bible said it would be like putting money in bags with holes in it. It doesn't matter. You just keep pouring it in there, but it's going to keep just wasting out because it's not blessed. By God. Mammon is a, spiritual, is, is a spiritual thing. And we've got to make sure that we are not serving mammon, but that we are serving God. People who are serving mammon oftentimes will use money in an attempt to control people. Anybody ever known anybody like that? They'll use it to control their spouse. They'll use it to control their kids. Unfortunately, there's been some that have tried to use money to control pulpits. Let me just say right now it won't happen around here okay It's not going to happen around here I, A long time ago, I settled that issue with the Lord and I thank God for for blessed givers in our church and 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 I pray you get more blessed and I pray but no one's in this church has ever come to me thank God and said, you know uh, preacher if If you do this, I'd sure be inclined to give a good offering. Thank God. But you know I have friends that have had people come and do that to them? And it's not as as rare as you might think it is. But there have been people that have gone to the pastor and said, Pastor, if you'll handle this situation like this, or you won't preach against that. You know, we want to come to church here. You know, you know we're giving we're givers, Pastor. <laughs> you know we like to give and, and be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And, and we want to come to church here, but if we're gonna to come to church here, we need you to not preach about this. Well, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Thank you for being a church that doesn't put pressure like that on the pastor. But it's interesting. Anytime there's been a situation like that and you get to looking at the heart of it, I don't care how much they gave, people who use money to control are never completely faithful givers of their tithe and offerings. Go mark it down. Go mark it down. I'm trying to think of how far I want to go with that. I, I, I'll tell this. I know of somebody, had a very wealthy individual in the church they pastored, and that individual would never, ever give their tithes. Because they, didn't, they, they had beef with the pastor, and they didn't want that pastor to be able to benefit from their tithe. They would not give it. So you know what they'd do? If an evangelist or somebody came through and preached, they'd go to that evangelist, and they'd give him one of those Holy Ghost handshakes. You know? and, they, and they'd stick a bunch of money in his hand. And, and trying to get that evangelist to leave, thinking just so wonderful of this individual well that pastor was suffering and in, in some cases uh, having to go do a lot of different extracurricular things in order to have money to feed his family and and simply because somebody was trying to control and the point they're never faithful completely they're never people that are completely faithful why because there's a spirit that's gotten a hold of them it's the spirit of mammon we're going to break that tonight amen What mammon wants to do is to take the place of God in our lives. It promises things to us that only God can truly give us. It promises security. It promises significance. It promises independence or power or freedom. It promises us all of these things. It wants us to believe that it can protect us from life's problems and that money will be the answer to our situations. But how many know? that money it's not the answer to life's problems money can't get your kids off drugs no money money cannot get uh, a spouse out of a relationship they don't need to be in money can't deal with the true problems that we have in life and we need to be careful to understand that, there are millionaires and there are billionaires that die young. One of the richest men in the world right now owns the, the most profitable, I guess, most profitable internet company that there is. And he started it years ago and it, and it grew. And now most of you order your, your packages online through this company. And yet that man just went through a divorce just like other people go through a divorce. He had all the money in the world. He is a a billionaire and one of the richest billionaires in all the world. Even the richest get cancer. Even the richest have marital problems. Even the richest deal with depression. And probably statistically speaking, it would seem that the richest, look at your celebrities, look at your athletes, professional. It would seem that they tend to have more of these issues to deal with than even the average individual does. Mammon's ways, folks, are in contrast to God's ways. They always have been, they always will be. Mammon says, buy, sell, but God says, sow and reap. Mammon says, cheat or steal, but God says, give and receive. Make no mistake about it, mammon desires to rule our lives. Isn't it interesting that the Bible teaches us that in the last days, the Antichrist is going to try to control people. You know how the Antichrist is going to try to control people? By limiting their ability to buy and sell. If you don't take the mark, the Scripture says, if you don't take the mark, you're not going to have the ability to buy or sell. That's interesting that mammon is linking up with the Antichrist spirit. Tell me that it's not something that we are fighting in our day and age. We're fighting it. We've got we've to stand against it. We live in a society that is doing all that it can to turn to money. Something that was meant to be used is now becoming something that is worshipped. First Timothy 6 and 10, the Apostle Paul wrote, he said this, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. He did not say that money is the root of all evil. He said that the love of money is the root of all evil. In other words, people made a decision, and they said, I can serve God, Or I can serve mammon. I can love one and I can hate the other. So I will choose to love mammon. I'll choose to love wealth. I'll choose to love riches. And with that, with that, they followed the root of all evil. Notice what the scripture says. Which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. And pierced themselves through With many sorrows. There are some people that have lost out with God. They did have a walk with God. They used to have a relationship with the Lord. But the scripture said they lost out with God. And they erred from the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Why? Because they chose the love of money. Mammon. Mammon. And they started chasing things they didn't need to chase. Let me just say this. Because if you're a giver, you will be blessed. If you're a giver, you will be blessed. When I say giver, I don't just mean a giver. I mean a biblical giver. If you're a biblical giver, you will be blessed. But you better be careful that what God meant for a a blessing doesn't become a curse to you. You better be careful. There's a scripture in the Old Testament where Israel uh, had gotten sick and the Lord told Moses, he said, make a brass serpent and put it on a pole and raise that thing up and whoever looks on it will be healed. Is that right? He said, whoever looks on that thing will be healed. So that was a blessing. That was a blessing. But years later, you come back around and you find that somebody went and dug that thing out of storage. And they took that blessing from the Lord that had brought healing to them. And they started worshiping that bronze serpent on that pole. And God said, now you've gotten into idolatry. And and now I'm going to judge you because of the idolatry that has come into your life. We had better make sure that when God blesses us with something, that we don't allow it to become a curse to us. So as you give biblically, you're getting ready to be blessed. But don't let the blessing begin to pull you away from God. Some people got so blessed that, you know what, we had extra money to spend. So now we're gone every weekend. we got to go do this. we got to go do that. we got to go on this vacation. we got to go on that trip. And you know what it causes them to do? Be out of the house of God. You know what happens when you're out of the house of God too much? You get cold in your spirit. You know what happens when you get cold in your spirit? I'm, you, you wait for me to probably tell you, aren't you? You backslide. And people drift away from God. People who were so blessed drift away from God when all he was trying to do was give them a better life. But they let the blessing become a curse. Don't chase the love of money. And I have prayed this prayer before, and I'll pray it again. Lord, don't bless us with more than we can handle. God, you know what we can handle. And if there's a blessing that's going to come in my life and I can't handle it and have a right spirit and and deal with it the right way, then don't bring it into my life. If if I've got to be poor, let me be poor, God. But don't let me me get caught up with the wrong things. I don't want to serve mammon. Still doing all right? How do I know if the spirit of mammon is making inroads in my life? Well, if you're beginning to be greedy, covetous, selfish, unwilling or uncheerful in your giving, you need to watch out. Somebody asked Mr. Rockefeller one time, they said, Mr. Rockefeller, how did you tithe off your first million dollars? That's a pretty big check to write. How did you do that, Mr. Rockefeller? How did you tithe off of that first million dollars? And he said, if I hadn't learned how to tithe off my first hundred dollars, I never would have been able to tithe off my millions. But he said, I made a commitment to God. Now, I don't know how much truth he had, but he said, I made a commitment to God that I was going to be faithful even when I didn't have much. And then when I had a lot, I had already established a principle and pattern in my life and it was no big thing at that point. And that's what I've found as I've gone through the years and and we're more blessed now than we used to be. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. We're more blessed now than we were when we first got married. Uh it was it, it well, I guess even then it was hard to write some of those checks because we needed it we felt like, didn't we? But 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 we gave it we, that was our, that was an issue for us. We had grown up that way. We gave that to God. God blessed us. Now as we've gotten on in life and we're more blessed today than we were then it's not a big issue to us we don't look at that and about what we're losing we don't see it that way man boy what could i do with that the, it, we don't even see it that way we see it as belonging to god we see it as belonging to god you've got to establish that you've got to establish that in your life and so if, if if that's not the way you feel mammon's got an inroad in your life and you need to break that spirit Mammon speaks to us. It tells us that if we only had this, or we only had that, if we had that car, that house, or if we had that life, we'd be happy and we'd be fulfilled. It says that if you had more money, perhaps, then people would respect you more and you would have more influence. Mammon will talk to you and it will speak lies to you. You've got to listen to the voice of God. Mammon will attempt to position itself as a substitute for God by saying things like this. I either need God to work a miracle right now or I need need to come into some money right now. When we say things like that, this is what we're doing. We are making money an equitable substitute for God. I either need God to do this or I need the money to do this. Now, that's a good point. And we're equating the money to the same level we would equate God. That's wrong. That's wrong. Money is not a substitute for God. We don't need more money. We need more God. And we need more Word of God. And we certainly need more obedience to the Word of God in 2019. And if we will do that, God will take care of His part. Amen? Amen. I want to have true riches. I want, I'm going to move quickly through here because I, I am going to be on time. I want to have true riches. Jesus called mammon in Luke 16. I won't go read all that, but it's a parallel scripture. Jesus called mammon unrighteous. He didn't say money was unrighteous. He said mammon, that, that, that love of wealth or love of treasure riches, which is all-encompassing. He said it is unrighteous, which lets me know we can use things for either righteous or unrighteous purposes. Things can be used for the temporary, or they can be used for the eternal. Jesus tells us to focus our things into that which is eternal. He said, lay up for yourself treasures, then, that are in heaven. That's why this church gives to missions. That's why, and I told you, I got the the call from my dad, and this church had given to missions this past year just a tremendous amount. And, Brother Terry, it just kind of crept up on us. We didn't even realize what we had done. And, and I still haven't gone to count, count all those things. I guess the end of the year we will. But all the departments we gave and all those things that we gave to. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to puff us up. But I do want us to, to, to feel good about the spirit of giving in this church. Right. And, and I want you to be aware of it because we need to continue to cultivate that. Uh, this church gave thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars this year. Uh, this church this church gave gave tremendous amount of money uh, for the mission of Jesus Christ. Why are we doing that? We're trying to put it into the things that are eternal. Souls are eternal. So we give to missions. That's why we're getting ready to go build a building. I know it's a temporary building but we're getting ready to go build a building. Why? Because souls are going to be saved in that building. God's going to have his hand on it. The devil fights us. He wants to distort our view of what true riches are. He doesn't want to see God's kingdom prosper. He tells you that all the worldly things that we can invest in are benign, when in fact many times we are feeding the consumption and growth Of unrighteousness. Listen to this. If everybody that calls themselves a Christian. If everybody that calls themselves a Christian. Listen. Would for one year quit. Just simply quit buying Hollywood's filth for one year. We could bring that industry to its knees. If the Christians would quit. Boy it's quiet now. (laughs) Better take my glasses off. We, I'm telling you, we could bring that entertainment industry to its knees. All it takes take is one year of everybody that says they're a Christian to not purchase anything that's filthy. And there ain't much that's not. It would just come tumbling down. Trying to think how far to go with that. I got to move on. We've got to make sure that we see what is true riches. It's nothing for us to drop twenty dollars, fifty dollars into a hobby or something. I'm not against that. I I, I have hobbies. I drop money into my hobbies. I'm going to keep doing it. It's nothing for us to do that. Yet we act like it's a big deal to drop some the same amount of money into, into the kingdom of God. Sometimes. When was the last time you went to the store and you just, on an impulse, purchased something for $50, $100 that you didn't really need on an impulse? It probably wasn't too terribly long ago. When was the last time a missionary came and you dropped $50 or $100 to that missionary? Better keep these off. Can't read without them. Why would God trust us with his most prized possessions? which is humanity, if we're not faithful in the things of less consequence like money. If we want to be a revival church, if we want to be a church that, that God sends uh, hungry people to, we've got to be a church that is faithful in the smaller things as well. God, Lord, we want to be a the place you can trust to send hungry souls. I wish we'd just lift a hand and pray that right now. We want to be a church, God, that you can trust to send hungry souls to it. We want to be faithful in these other things. I'm ending with this. There are two things that often accompany the spirit of mammon. This is going to hurt all of us probably in one way or the other. They're identical twins. They just have different names. Little different personalities, but they're identical twins. One of them is pride, and one of them is poverty. Pride wants people to think we're better off than we really are. Poverty wants people to think that we aren't as blessed as we really are. It downplays the role of God and how He has blessed and kept us. Faithful and consistent biblical givers, I said it earlier, will be blessed. So get ready for it. Don't take the credit. But you don't have to take the blame either. Let God be God. When you think about your situation in life, pride says, I deserve more. Poverty says, I should feel guilty. But gratitude says, thank you God for what you've done for us. The Lord smote me about this. I'm going to try to do a better job of, of... Being grateful because the Lord's blessed us through the years. We live in a nice house. We drive nice vehicles. We've got our hobbies. I get to take my son on a trip. Next month, I'll take him on a trip. and We'll go ride horses and mules out in Texas. We'll have a great time doing it. And I won't be worried about how I'm going to pay for it. God's blessed us. God's blessed us. And yet somebody comes along and says, Boy, it's a nice house y'all built out there. And I'm trying to say, well, yeah, it's an, thank you. We appreciate that. But boy, we sure did build that for a whole lot cheaper than we'd have bought it for. And that is true. But we're trying to downplay the blessing of the Lord. And I kind of felt convicted about it. The Lord said, maybe I want to bless you, and maybe I don't want you to apologize for being blessed. Is that, am I being, I hope I'm not misunderstood. I don't want to be misunderstood. But, lord don't let me don't let me detract from what you've done don't let me don't let me put put a smother the good things you've done in my life god we're blessed people you got a wonderful family thank you we've got great parents and and they they got us here and, and that's true that's true but why can't we just say thank you thank you but well, we are proud of our kids thank you Appreciate you saying something kind. But the other night, we were last night, we were at archery practice for Asher, and Somebody came up and they were talking to him. They said, they said, you know what? Every time I talk to you, you are one of the most polite young men. Now, I know he probably has his moments. And so y'all don't tell us right now if if, they said, you're what? Every time I talk to you, you're so polite. And 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 I just want you to know I appreciate that. And, And they were bragging on him, you know, and. And he's trying, and he's embarrassed, and he's trying to deal with how to take that. And, and we said, we're, we're we're proud of him, you know. I don't want to have to hang my head about being proud of my kids. I don't want you to hang your head about being proud of your kids. We don't need to hang our heads about being thankful for what God's done in this church. And I've done that with other church planners that that have struggled perhaps more than we have. And I've said, well, you know, there's a lot of things that God's done that that. That are unique in our situation. And here I go trying to explain it all. And and you know what? God's just been good. God's been good. God's had his hand on us. I don't want to have the pride mentality. But I don't want to have the poverty mentality. I want to have a grateful heart. For the things that God has done. When someone compliments your house. Here we go. Pride says well we almost built the bigger one. Poverty says, we got it so cheap. But gratitude says, thank you, the Lord's been good. Pride wants people to think we paid more. Poverty wants people to think we paid less. Gratitude just wants God to get the glory. So we've got to relate the stuff in the correct way. And last week I told you, God uses the tithe to test us. But here's another truth, and that is this. He will also use somebody else's things to test us. How we respond to how somebody else is blessed says a lot about whether or not the spirit of mammon has control over us. And I've seen it both ways. I've seen, I've seen wealthy people who, who were prejudiced against uh, poor people, and I've seen poor people who were prejudiced against wealthy people. And they begrudged the things they had, and they acted like they must have had something wrong because they didn't have some other things. Neither one of those attitudes is right. We've got to understand that if we're looking at it that way, the spirit of mammon has control over us. One of the Ten Commandments is often overlooked, but it's very important to our attitude. And that is this, thou shalt not covet. That means to set your heart upon. Because we are instructed to set our hearts on God alone. So where is our heart? Where is our heart? Am I looking to God or people to meet my needs? Do I get angry or do I resent people who don't help me like I think they should? Do I blame others for my circumstances? The common thread in all of those questions is that we are looking toward man and not God as our source. Pride wants us to compare ourselves with others. Poverty causes us to compare others with ourselves. Don't fall into the comparison trap. Pride says, I earned it. Poverty says, I don't deserve it. But gratitude says, God blessed us with it. God blessed us with it. And I've got another verse I could read, but I'm not going to read it tonight. Let me tell you, i I just tell you this. How do we break the spirit of mammon, Pastor? You talked all that stuff about mammon. How do we break the spirit of mammon? I'm going to tell you how you break it. It's very simple. You've become faithful with your tithe and offering. You become faithful with your tithe and offering. And if the devil starts, if, if if the devil starts creeping up on you, this is gonna hurt. But the devil starts creeping up on you, talking about what you could do if you just keep whatever it is that God's speaking to you about giving. I'd give it, and then I'd give, the, and then then some. I'd add something to it just to kick the devil in the teeth, and say, "Devil, that spirit's not gonna get a hold of me." And there's days that we talked about different things, what we're going to do for something, and, and I had one number. Sometimes we had the same number. Sometimes I had a number. She had a number. We decided whoever has the larger number, that's what we're going with. Why? Because we don't want Spirit of Mammon to, to control us. I don't want it to control me. I, I got a text tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. Part of my sacrifice pledge. I hadn't paid yet. Because I had something in mind. That I was going to do to pay that pledge. And the Lord dealt with me. About doing something other with that thing. And so I wound up doing something different. With it. But we had made a commitment to a pledge. So we've been been trying to get that together. And how we were going to do it. And I got the text tonight. I sold one of my mules this week. I sold a good mule this week. And... Are you bragging about it? No, I'm not bragging about it. I'm telling you, it don't bother me to do that. That money's going straight into our our sacrifice pledge. Why are you doing that? You're behind on, I know we're, we're later on than we wanted to be. The Lord dealt with us about something, and, and that's going to be that. But by the end of this year, that'll be paid. But that's what we're doing. Why? Because we were going to find another way to do it. One way or another, it was going to be done. Because the spirit of mammon's not going to control me. It's not going to control my family. And if the Lord will help me, it's not going to control my kids. And I'm going to try to teach my kids. Uh, they don't even probably know how blessed they are. But I'm going to teach my kids. All this came from God. And you've got to make sure as you strike out in life, you're going to have to make sure that you get control over the, that, that materialistic spirit that wants to get a hold of all of us. So that God can be glorified. God's kingdom can be grown. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's stand together tonight. Let's lift our hands. Let's give God thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for all the blessings. Thank God for every blessing you have. Would you do that? Thank God for every blessing that you have. That's good. Thank God for the blessings in your life. Give Him him praise for it. Give Him thanksgiving for it. Don't have a pride or poverty mentality right now. Just be grateful for the things God's done for you. Thank you that things are as well with us as they are, God. Thank you for the home we live in. Thank you for the vehicles we drive. Thank you for the clothes on our back. Thank you for the food we put in our bellies this week, God. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for it, Jesus. He is our source. He is our source. And as long as we remember that, and as long as we honor him biblically with that, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Amen. Don't let the spirit of mammon get a hold of you. Amen. Are y'all enjoying this series? I sure am. It's helping me. i tell you that. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the way you've been dealing with us these last few weeks in this church, God. And I pray that our hearts would be completely turned toward you and that we would not let anything uh, usurp our love for you. We know we can't serve both God and mammon, so we choose to serve God. We choose to serve God. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you in your mighty name. We pray, amen. Everybody said amen.